Transforming Webinars from Suck to Success. Web Meetings Guru Wayne Turmel is here to tell us how to do it in this episode of the Learning Revolution Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Learning Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cobb, and I am here with the sole aim of helping you grow your audience for educational content, build a thriving business, and change the world. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the most ubiquitous, the most pervasive types of content out there on the web, one you run across all the time if you're in the business world. In fact, I am betting you have more than one invitation to this kind of content in your inbox right now. I'm talking, of course, about the webinar. Love them or hate them, they are part of life, and when used responsibly, they can be a powerful tool in the Learning Revolutionaries toolbox. To help us understand how we can create webinars that people will actually ditch their email and smartphones for, we're going to talk with virtual presentation and webinar expert, Wayne Termel. I'll give Wayne a more proper introduction momentarily, but before we roll into the interview, I'd like to make a brief appeal to what seem to be the thousands of people out there, if I can trust my stats, uh, who have been listening to the Learning Revolution podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, if you value what you've been hearing, please take a moment to give the show a quick rating over on iTunes. It doesn't take but a couple of clicks to do that, and it would mean, well, ever so much to me. That's it for my hard sell. Let's head into the feature interview for this episode. I am joined today by Wayne Termel, who is an expert in communication skills and management and the principal of greatwebmeetings.com. He is also the author, among other works, of the American Society for Training and Development's 10 Steps to a Successful Virtual Presentation. I'm sorry, 10 Steps to Successful Virtual Presentations, in the plural there, and also of Six Weeks to a Great Webinar. And as you can probably tell from those credentials, Wayne is someone who knows a great deal about delivering first-rate online events, and I'm looking forward to him sharing some of his wisdom today. Welcome, Wayne. Wisdom, he says. <laughs> you have you to prove yourself on that point. <laughs> yeah, way to set the bar high, buddy. <laughs> well, Wayne, thank, thanks so much. Uh, I mean, as we both know, webinars are just a, an incredibly popular medium. Um, they've gotten easier and more popular over time. But, you know, as we dig into them, I want to start with uh, what I guess you would call the the elephant in the room. I'm not sure how that plays out in a, in a virtual environment, but uh you do a, a, a survey, or you talk about a survey at the beginning of your 10 tips book um, uh, about webinars, and you say that you know the number one word that showed up when you asked people about their, their sort of reaction to webinars was, quote, suck. Now, wh yeah. why is that? <laughs> yeah, that research is both cool and kind of embarrassing uh, because it was – Completely unexpected. What we did was we took people, and these were people who sat through marketing webinars, and we said, what you know, was your experience like? And we did some numerical study, and then we asked them for written comments. And in the written comments, fully one-third of the people used the word suck, which is not terribly professional, but is statistically significant. Certainly, I think yeah. you'll agree. Yeah, it's certainly not <laughs> encouraging if, if you're trying to put on a, on a webinar. So, I mean, why is that? Uh, I mean, what is it that 
tends to tilt webinars in, in that direction. I mean, you, yeah, you know. it's really it, it, here's here's essentially the thing. And this was a couple of years ago when webinars were a fairly new uh, experience for everybody. But the truth of the matter is that the majority of people who get asked to deliver online presentations, whether it's training, whether it's marketing webinars, and, and the people on this call are kind of exhibit A, we woke up one morning and got told, here, make it happen. Mm. Uh, the numbers are pretty significant. Uh, fewer than 20% of uh, people actually receive any training on the, the tool or how to use it effectively before they're asked to present to innocent victims. Mm. Uh, it, it's a little bit like learning to drive by taking your parents to the airport. You know, it's doable, but it's not a lot of fun and nobody's going to be in a hurry to do it again. Right. The, it, it's actually quite stunning. I was just at an ASTD conference not too long ago, and and these numbers are pretty uh, standard uh, across the board. I asked the people, and these are training professionals, how many of you were asked to design or deliver webinar-type training or events before you ever actually participated in one that you thought was any good? And the numbers are well over 50%. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's pretty common. So, I mean, so you've got this situation where I guess it's kind of the blind leading the blind because the people are putting on the webinars may or may not be fully familiar with the, t the tools. And then they're trying to work with subject matter experts who also may not be fully familiar with the tools and, you know, might be gr great presenters in the room. But once you get them, well, staring into the abyss is, is kind of how I put it when you're, you're, you know, speaking to an audience that you can't see at all. And I'm sure that has to contribute at, at some level to, you know, why webinars may not come off as well as they as they otherwise could. Well, you know that's you know that's the case. I mean, here's here's essentially the dynamic, especially in in the training world. I'm going to be brutally honest and tell you something you know, which is nobody goes into training for the money. Mm. Right? True, true enough. True enough. <laughs> Sadly, tis true. Uh, so, what happens? Why do we go into training? Well, we like helping people learn. We like seeing the light come on. Let's be honest. Most of us are frustrated performers. Mm -hmm. uh, we, the, the being in the room, the being the front of the room, the center of attention, all that good stuff is a big part of what we like about our jobs. And now we're being asked to take the part of the job that we like best, which is the interaction and the being in the room and all of that in the energy and all that good stuff. And are getting that taken away, being asked to deliver through a technology which makes us essentially consciously incompetent, and we are incapable of being at our absolute best unless we have – so there's kind of a, a model that needs to happen. In order to adopt technology, you have to see it used well in context. You have to be able to understand how this applies to what you do. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to poke around and practice in a safe environment so that you're not worried about what's happening on the other end. And then finally, you deliver a couple of times and it becomes muscle memory. The problem is that for so many of us, we've just been tossed in the deep end and said, here's a WebEx license. Try not to hurt somebody. Right, right. Now, I, I assume, though, you know, you doing what you do and being who you are, that you have witnessed that uh, 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 incredibly elusive animal, a great webinar. 
uh, can you describe for us, I mean, particularly one that's educationally oriented, you know, so you're trying to teach people something. What, what's an example of just a, a really great webinar you've experienced? Well, it's true that, you know, more people have seen Panda's Mate <laughs> than have actually experienced a good webinar. And that's not nearly as true as it used to be. Uh, the fact is that I've seen plenty of well-delivered synchronous learning activities, for lack of a better term, and they look exactly like training in the classroom looks. I, I mean, think about it. If I were to say to you, I'm going to talk for 45 minutes, uh, hold all your questions till the end, don't talk to me, don't talk to each other, uh, just sit there and, and watch the PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. If we delivered that in the classroom, we all know that's a ludicrous thing to say, and it's an insane way for anybody to learn anything. And yet, if we look at how do most webinars run, particularly those driven by uncomfortable uh, presenters, mm -hmm. our natural indication is, I just want to put my PowerPoint up, let me get through it so I don't run long, hold all the questions till the end, I don't want anybody to chat, I don't want to do any more multitasking than necessary. I'm so focused on just trying to get through it that I'm delivering a not very satisfying and not very effective learning experience. Right. If you get comfortable, if you understand, here's another number. More than 80% of people use fewer than 25% of the features hmm. of these platforms. So, for example, uh, if you think about what goes on in the classroom, there's probably a corollary. I mean, I, I say to people all the time, what would you do at this point in the class? Well, I'd ask for a show of hands. You do know that most platforms have a button that says raise hand. Very true, and you, and, you, and you rarely see that used, in my experience. You rarely see it used. Uh, the notion of keeping class size small so that you can keep the phone lines open and let people participate just as they would. You know, a lot of people restrict the chat because, well, what if they say something stupid or, you know, they get out of control? But people talk in meetings all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the value, right? People make a joke and everybody laughs, but it raises a point and there's a conversation and maybe somebody gets to chime in. So why, as a learning professional, would you limit the ability for people to participate? Right, right. So if you think about what's available, you know, well, I'd go to a, at this point, I'd go to a flip chart and do it. There's a whiteboard. You can use it live in the moment. It's incredibly powerful stuff. So if you learn and have seen the tools used in context, you know, it's one thing to know there's a whiteboard, but it's something else to see it used and go, oh, everybody can write on it themselves and I can hand it off. You know, I can have somebody scribe for me so I don't have to uh, write and think and spell at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh, after a while, you go, oh, okay, I see how this works. And it once you've seen it used in context and you understand the possibilities and then you try it a couple of times, you start to develop the muscle memory and you start to build it into your courseware and things like that so that it becomes much simpler. Right, right. But at the very beginning, the problem is the first couple of times you use it, if you're so freaked out about the technology that that's your focus, you're not going to be facilitating the way you should. You're not going to be intentionally including people. You're not going to be doing all those higher level things that make you so successful in the classroom. So you really have to make And we the, do a really lousy job of helping people make that 
initial bridge. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true because in a lot of cases, you know, you're bringing somebody in, particularly if you're somebody who coordinates uh, webinars and webcasts. So you're, you're getting a subject matter expert who's probably fine in front of a classroom. They don't even think about things anymore, like, you know, calling on people, like you're saying. But you're, you're throwing into the, them into this technology environment and, and maybe not really getting them to the point uh, you know, it may not be unconscious for them like it is in the classroom, but at least where they're extremely comfortable. So that, like you're saying, they can engage at, at the higher level. So it seems like there's just a big element of preparing well, whether you are the subject matter expert or whether you're helping subject matter experts uh, to, to do this. Well, it's a huge thing. I mean, when you're dealing and there's a whole, you know, three beverage conversation about working with uh, subject matter experts right. who, who aren't necessarily the 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 trainer or, or the lead presenter, but this is a different animal, right? As you said, there are a lot of unconscious things. If you, the best analogy is driving. When you learn to drive, right, your eyes are glued to the dashboard and you're watching your speed and you're watching all this stuff and, 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 you know, you're, you're multitasking like crazy and it's really uncomfortable and weird. But after a while, you can flick your eyes down to the dashboard, look back up and you don't even think about it. Same thing happens in the room when you're presenting, right? Whether it's a marketing mm-hmm. presentation or, or a sales call or a training, you look around the room, you can see this person's into it, this person's not, this person has a question because they're giving you the Scooby-Doo face. You know, you get all of the, that information instantaneously. And we know how to respond to that because we've been doing it for low these many years. When you're online, you're getting different types of input. You're not getting it the same way. You're not getting it in the same amount. So you need to learn what that feels like. And the way to do that is not when there's innocent victims on the other end. Right. So uh, to, to, to continue that line of thought then, I mean, you've got your book, The, the Ten Steps uh, for Virtual Presentations, and you've got your six weeks to a great webinar. And, and I know, in, you know, in the space of the few minutes we have here, you're not going to be able to cover all that content. But in terms of preparing, in, in terms of getting to that point of being successful, of having the great, we- great webinar, I mean, if there are just two or three tips you could give people, uh, learning the tools is obviously one of them. Um, what, what else, if you had to say, just please make sure you do this if, if, you're, if you really want to have a, a great webinar? Yeah, there are a couple of things that you need to do. Uh, and, and let me pick three at, at random just for purposes of, of sanity here. Uh, the first thing is you have to keep your audience in mind. And that sounds really obvious, but it's not. Uh, a lot of webinars, because of time constrictions, because you put 100 people on a call, tend to be one-way webcasts as opposed to mm-hmm. interactive presentations. And there's this lovely term. It, when I learned this term, it actually changed my training career forever. It's called the Herrera Limit, H-R-A-I-R. People can Google it later. Huh. And what it basically means is it's that moment we've all been there where you want to pay attention, you want to listen, but your brain is full. I've been there. Well, everybody has. It's a perfectly natural thing. It ties to the idea that we can only take in, you know, eight pieces of information. As training professionals, we know that. So if why would you inflict that on an audience, you know, intentionally or unintentionally? And we reach that Herrera limit much more quickly in an online environment than we do in a classroom. 
So what does that mean? You need to break your information into small chunks. You need to give people information and then let them process that information, whether it's through doing some activity, whether it's through asking questions, whether it's having a chance to talk about what they've just learned. You need to deliver it in small chunks. So the first thing is you have to understand the limitations your audience are under and quit fighting them, play to them, understand the reality. Uh, So it needs to be about your audience. That's the first thing. Okay. The second thing is that when we look around the room when we're presenting, we're actually getting feedback from the audience every 30 seconds. Right? Every time you look at somebody else, you're looking in their eyes, you're seeing that they're getting it or they have a question or they're angry or, or they've tuned out. We can see that and we're getting that information all the time. Online, we don't tend to get that incidental information, which means we have to go after it. We have to find ways to check with the audience. Yeah, we have to find ways to keep them involved. One of the biggest challenges for people that deliver online presentations is, well, I ask for questions and I never get any. Hmm. Well, if you've asked people to sit passively for 20, 25 minutes, you can't expect them to suddenly leap into action and have all their questions ready to go. Good point. So involve them early. Uh, very early on, use your polling, use the chat, uh, open the phone lines, take questions periodically instead of holding everything for the end. Those things, those things are intentionally designed to help you get feedback from the audience. There are also a lot of platforms have what I call the attention meter, which is when you look at the participant list, there's a little icon beside their name that tells you whether or not you are the thing they're looking at mm-hmm. at this moment. As opposed to their email. As opposed to their email. Now, it doesn't mean that you use it to say, Bob, you're not looking at the screen. But as a presenter, it should tell you, whoops, people are starting to fade out. I need to re-engage them. And, and the third thing, and it ties directly to that, is this stuff doesn't happen naturally, and it doesn't happen by accident. So you have to build it in to your presentation. Interaction needs to be built into your leader's guides. When we do training, and whether it's our public webinars that anybody can sign up for on our site, or you know we go into Nestle, or we go into the Red Cross, or whoever we handle as, as clients – If you look at our leader's guides, every third page or so, it will say, stop and ask them a question or check with somebody you haven't heard from yet or uh, ask for a show of hands. That interaction is actually built in because that stuff happens organically in the classroom. It doesn't happen organically online. Uh, We tend to get talking. We tend to get momentum. Because we can't see somebody has a question, we tend not to stop. And so it sounds like you're pretty detailed about creating what you're calling a, a leader guide. Would, would that be your main piece of advice to somebody? Let's say you know you're a, a, an education director at a, a trade or professional association, and you're having to you know manage your subject matter experts. Is it something like having a, a very detailed leader guide, and then spending the time to, to make sure you're walking your SMEs through that? Um, would that be your main piece of advice for that? Well, group? it's it's a huge piece of it, and the one thing that I would tell people is don't freak out. Mm. You don't have to have everything scripted. You don't have to write it out word for word. In fact, please, for the love of heaven, don't. Right. Uh, but take advantage. For example, uh, when I do a webinar. Uh, a marketing type webinar or like I'm doing one uh, for the American Management Association next next month, 
in my PowerPoint, I will use the notes pages in PowerPoint to just make bullets to myself. Make sure you say these three things. Hmm. And pause. <laughs> you know, if I do nothing else, I'm going to have those three bullets and the word pause. On the, and then I print it out. I, I know this is old school, but, you know, I'm an old guy. I need to print it out and have it beside me so that as I go through, I can make notes to myself. I can see, okay, I need to stop here and ask for questions. Because my natural instinct, as you can tell from this conversation, pausing is not my default position. <laughs> and it's even more critical online than it is in the room where I'm getting by on charm and energy and whatever. So the, the single biggest thing you can do is once you've built your presentation, go back through it and build in those moments for interaction. Maybe this is a good time to check for questions. Maybe this is a good time to do a poll. Maybe I just want to pause and give people a chance to digest that or write something in the chat. But it doesn't happen organically, at least until you get really good at this. And uh, you need to build it in. So as you're building your presentation, build the interaction into it along the way. And one way to do that with your SMEs is to do the presentation as an interview type format. Mm -hmm. Maybe break it up so that the person who's hosting asks a question, the person goes through three or four slides, there's a natural break in content, the uh, person hosting can either ask the next question or take a question from the audience. That type of format works on a number of levels. One, it takes the pressure off your SMEs. Two, it's easier for the audience to follow because you're breaking the information up into chunks. And three, it makes it easier for your audience to stay focused because we naturally, every time something changes on the screen or every time we hear a different voice, we involuntarily reconnect. Well, lots of very good practical advice there. And I know that you are full of very good practical advice for anybody who wants to offer great web meetings, great webinars, great uh, anything that really happens in a uh, I guess virtual meeting type environment. So just to make sure people can take advantage of all of that, where, where is the best place for folks to find you and all of the resources that you offer? Yeah, the best place, obviously enough, is greatwebmeetings.com. We have uh, a number of things, obviously, our full list of course descriptions, courses that we offer internally to clients, as well as webinars that individuals can sign up for. So if you're one person, you, know, you can take our monthly web presentation basics class as an example. Uh, we also have dozens of articles, white papers, and free downloads. Uh, you have to register, but once you're registered, you have access to all of those resources, and we really encourage people to do that. And our blog, theconnectedmanager.com, is all about leading remote teams, leading meetings, presenting online. Uh, and you can find that at theconnectedmanager.com. Well, fantastic. Wayne, thanks so much for, uh, for joining today. And I, I think you measured up to uh, offering some wisdom to the uh, listeners here. Well, I I'm glad I did, man. And the, the one thing that I would just say to er everybody who's listening is we've all been tossed in the deep end. And what I hope you took away from this conversation is that there is, you know, a way to take this more logically and calm down and catch your breath. 
the good news is we are really good at what we do, right? Everybody who's listening to this has experience in the classroom. They already know their subject matter. They already know how to present. Now it's just getting over that hurdle to using a new tool. Excellent words to end on. Thanks so much, Wayne. That wraps up my conversation with Wayne Termell. I do strongly encourage you to go visit Wayne's website. He has some great content there. And if you're serious about webinars as a part of what you're going to deliver to your audience, I I highly recommend the training that he offers there. It'll really help you to take things up a few notches. I'd also like to point out before I sign off here today that, that Wayne and really most of the people that I've interviewed here on the Learning Revolution podcast are what I consider to be practicing learning revolutionaries. He's using educational content not only as part of his marketing mix, but it's also part of his revenue stream. He's using the web to deliver some great educational experiences, and he's you know basically a, a solo expert who's able to do this. And this is true of uh, a range of the people that I've interviewed on the, the show, from Leah Babauta to Alan Weiss to Michael Stelsner, who's taken it to a whole new level with the types of virtual conferences that he offers through Social Media Examiner. So you're not just getting theory here. You're not just getting people with nice ideas. These are people who are actually applying these ideas and delivering great educational value, leveraging their expertise globally, really, and creating a thriving business out of it, which is you know, one of the, the main aims of uh, this entire podcast. A couple of other notes before I sign off. One is that you can get the show notes for this episode at learningrevolution.net slash episode 14. And there you'll be able to find links to Wayne's site and to a number of other resources related to delivering great webinars. I'll make one more appeal for giving a rating or review over on iTunes. To get there quickly, you can just go to learningrevolution.net slash iTunes. And then finally, I'd love to hear from you. So go to the learningrevolution.net site and go to the contact form uh, and send me a message that way. Or alternatively, if you look over to your right when you're on the site, you'll notice that there is a voicemail option. If you have questions, if you have uh, issues you'd like to, to raise that uh, could be tackled on the show, then by all means, leave me a voicemail and I may even use that in a future show. In the meantime, thank you as always for listening to the Learning Revolution podcast. This is Jeff Cobb signing off from the revolution. Mm-hmm.